So we are continuing our series in First Peter. And uh, so if you've got your Bibles, you want to turn to um, the first chapter of First Peter. And we are going to be looking specifically at verses 6 to 9. Let me read that for you. Peter writes, In this you rejoice, though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen Him, still you love Him. Though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, the truth of your word, those ancient words that have been passed down to us that are living words that continue to, uh, to express their power and their truth into our lives, that, that instruct and inform us of who you are and how we can live with you. Father, we thank you for these words specifically. I pray, Lord, that, that as we look more closely at what it is that your Spirit wants us to know here from these words, I pray, Lord, that you would move in our hearts that you would hold back those things that would try and get in the way, the, uh, the blocks that we would create, uh, the distractions that, uh, that evil forces around us would try and inject, uh, that would get us away from understanding and seeing you as you reveal yourself to us today. Open up our eyes and hearts and help us to, to be changed through this encounter with your word. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. This is one of the great run-on sentences of the Bible. If you, if you read this in Greek, um, it actually goes back to verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and the, the thoughts, even though Greek, uh, the, the ancient Greeks weren't using any punctuation or anything, the the grammatical structure of it shows that this is one big, long, run-on sentence. You have to take a big, big breath at the beginning uh, to be able to get through, and it continues actually past uh, verse 9 all the way to verse 12 is one big, long sentence that Peter was writing. His English teacher or his grammar teacher would have railed at him for not using any punctuation or any breaks in all of this. Uh, but it's all one continuing idea. It all is, is helping us understand about the living hope 
that we have through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That was such an, an essential message for the first century church. We look at, at some of the creedal statements that we have throughout the New Testament. Um, uh, for 1 Corinthians 15 is probably the most significant. Um, but all of, these, all of these statements about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it was an essential part of the disciples, the apostles' understanding of why Jesus was so significant. You have to understand that, that these were men who saw Jesus do amazing things. They were there when he healed the sick. They were present when Jesus, when Jesus called the, the lame man to walk. They saw the miracles of Jesus of taking those few small fish and bread and multiplying them so that they were able to, to feed a multitude of people. They were in the boat when Jesus said, Peace be still, and immediately the wind and waves died down. Peter was there walking on the water with Jesus. These disciples saw all of these amazing things that Jesus did. How many references do you see in any of the epistles to any of those miracles? Nothing. And yet, the one thing that was essential that they come back to time and time again was the resurrection of Jesus Christ because it is on that that our faith stands secure. It is that living hope that carries us through all of the struggles and all of the, the, the troubles that we find ourselves facing in life. It is the hope that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, that he now lives in us, as Peter says here in, in verse Verse 5, that our salvation is being guarded through faith in Christ Jesus, in His resurrection. As we face those attacks that come at us, it is because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we can have confidence that He will carry us through, that He is leading and guiding us and empowering us to be able to overcome the world just as he did. So when we come here to verse 6 and he says, In this you rejoice. It's pointing back to that living hope that we have in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In that we rejoice. And we've been doing that this morning. We've been praising God for the resurrection of Jesus Christ, rejoicing in His grace and provision in our lives. So what is that living hope? We talked about it last week. Uh, verse 4, where it says that, that it is an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and kept in heaven for you. It is 
that promise of eternal life that we will be with Jesus for all of eternity in his presence, praising his name, testifying to his great power and love and wisdom in our lives, helping all of creation to worship and praise our amazing almighty God. That living hope is also, as we've already talked about, uh, that ongoing guarding through faith for salvation that is to, ready to be revealed in the last time that we aren't just on our own between now and eternity. But the Spirit is there with us, guarding us and guiding us. That Christ lives in us, and He is making our lives complete, giving us meaning and purpose, empowering us for a mission that we could never accomplish on our own. That's the living hope that we rejoice in now. But part of this long, run-on sentence, Peter reminds us that we will endure trials. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. It's an interesting word that he uses there, trials. The Greek word is also the, the very same Greek word that Jesus, or, or at least the, the, uh, the writers of, of, the, um, of the Gospels, quoted Jesus in the Lord's Prayer. Lead us not into temptation. Could very easily be translated, lead us not into trials. Or... Vice versa, Peter's words could be, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various temptations. What are the temptations? What are the trials that we're facing? The reason that that word is specific, there are other words that can be used for temptation as well. There are other words that are used for trials and tribulations uh, throughout the, the, the New Testament. But Peter is using this word for a specific purpose. It's the idea that, that as we face these troubles in our lives, that they have a refining, purifying process on our hearts and on our faith. That there is this trial, this temptation, this, this growth. We only, well, maybe I better not be so emphatic. We most likely grow through trials. Even physically, our growth often is accompanied with pain. It's, it's when things get hard that actually we develop. I've been recognizing that my physical shape has not been that great, and so I've been working out a little bit again, trying to get some muscles in place. Lifting Tegan up all the time is... I realize it's going to take a toll on my body, so I need to make sure that I'm in strength. And, and one of the things that I'm finding, if I lift weights that don't hurt, that aren't hard, 
they don't really do me much good. I can get the real light dumbbells and do lots and lots of reps and go, wow, look at what I'm doing. I'm really not accomplishing what I need in order to build strength. I've been told that in order for muscles to grow, for them to get strengthened, they must be torn. They must be ripped apart a little bit. And all of those little rips are where new muscles then grow. I don't know if that's exactly the way it all works. But the hurt and the pain that that comes with that afterwards is those muscles being stretched, being torn a little bit, and having to regrow and be strengthened out of all of that. It's the same with our faith. When we are pushed, when we face difficult times, that's the moment where we go, oh, I'm over my head. I need help. I can't do this on my own. And where does my focus shift? To Christ. And I discover how strong He is and how wise He is and how He helps me through all of those difficulties that I'm facing and how His his knowledge is, is immeasurable. So when I wrestle with what is ethically the right way to go in all of this, Jesus knows. Because he's not limited by what the unknown future. He knows what's coming. He knows what's going to be best for me. And when I come into that place and when I face that moment of where I need help and I look to Christ, that's where my relationship, my faith, and, and I've seen him prove himself. And so I become more confident in my trust in his life. So in this context, uh, this word trials is, is fits with that idea of being tested, of being uh, 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 tried by fire. The temptation in all of that is that I give up hope. Is that I face those difficulties and instead of looking to Christ, I try and figure something out on my own. Or I say, you know what? This Christian thing is more work than it's worth. I'm going my own way. And that's where we see the temptation. That's where those trials become... um, Victory statements for the evil one and for our sinful nature. Now we're going to see as we go on in Peter that that the people that, that Peter is writing to are facing significant trials. They are, they are in a place where they have made a commitment to Christ and they have been vocal about that commitment to the people in their community. And that that commitment that they've made to follow Christ has come with a cost. Those that are around them are beginning to speak slanderously about them. They are maligning their good character. History shows us that people in, these, in, in this area uh, were starting to face more and more pressure 
to recant their faith, to turn their back on their faith in Christianity, uh, for, for those uh, um, vocational guilds that people needed to be a part of in order to sell the, the wares that they were creating. So for those that were tent makers, there was a tent maker guild. And in order for them to be able to sell their tents, they needed to have the approval of the guild in order to be in the marketplace. Those guilds were starting to require people to pledge allegiance to particular gods, Roman and Greek gods, to, to, to proclaim allegiance to Caesar as God. And Christians were finding it more and more difficult to find work in these guilds because of that kind of pressure. Families were, were writing off and kicking out people from their family that had made that conversion. Those that, that were in the family who were no longer going to the little God shrine in the, in the family home and were giving offerings and incense to, to the gods in their, fo- in their home. And when fathers would see their children making this commitment and no longer following these gods that the family had followed for years and years and years, they said, you are no longer my child and kicked them out of their home. Social circles were, were putting ex- extending pressure onto Christians to, uh, that, that if they were going to be able to be a part of the, the voting that was going on in the, in the uh, Acropolis in, in their particular area, in the Agora, um, they, were, uh, they were being excluded from that, from, uh, from the rights of, as citizens in, in these different villages and different cities. This growing persecution, Peter says, is a blessing. He says that, that, that it is testing the genuineness of their faith. Verse 7. Uh, that this testing may be found, may be uh, as, as it's, revealing the preciousness of their faith and and strengthening their faith that it would result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That as we are standing up in these trials, as we are trusting in Christ and the Holy Spirit through these trials, that we are revealing Him more clearly in the community. And so even though there are people that are putting pressure and coming against them, there are also others who are going to see your response in that. And they too will follow in Christ, put their trust in Him. I've I've commented on this before. But you remember back in the days of ISIS, when, when there were all the videos of, of uh, beheadings and all that kind of stuff, and there was that group that were, was in Egypt, Libyans that had been captured in Egypt, and, and, and I think there was like 10 of them or 12 of them, and, and they were videoed, and, and all of them were Christians except for one man. And each one was given the opportunity to, to turn their back on Christ and as they faithfully refused and proclaimed their confidence in the preciousness of Jesus Christ in their lives, 
their heads were removed from their bodies. And then they'd go on to the next one and give them an opportunity, having just seen their brother and knowing what was coming for them. And one over after another continued to stand firm in the faith. And they came to the last man who was not a follower of Christ. And they asked him if, if he would pledge allegiance to ISIS, uh, to, to Allah and all the rest of that. And he said, having seen the testimony of all these men, <laughs> I believe in Jesus. And he too gave up his life through the testimony of those whose faith had been tested. Jesus is revealed in our faithfulness. See, what happens when we are tested is it draws us closer to Christ. We recognize our need and look to Him and draw near to Him and find our strength in Him. He then, through that, strengthens our trust because we see Him being faithful in our lives. And so as we face more and more challenging trials and temptations, we are brought into a place of, of having greater confidence and trusting in Christ more and more. It, it also, as we go through those trials and temptations, it helps refocus our priorities and our values. Suddenly, the big screen TV is not as important as it used to be. The recognition of people in our neighborhood and, and, and their, uh, their acceptance of us belonging into that group is no longer as important as pleasing Christ. The things that used to be valuable to us no longer have the same value because, because they can't, because it can only be Christ. He's the only thing that can carry us through. None of those other things are able to secure us and to support us through the hard times, through the good times, through all that Jesus does to us. This week I was reading an account through um, the, the ministry Open Doors. And uh, it is, if you haven't heard of Open Doors, it is a, uh, um, a ministry to the persecuted church. Uh, that they are uh, um, investigating allegations of per persecution, informing the rest of the, the Christian world that, uh, that these things are happening so that we can pray for our brothers and sisters. And there are some uh, amazing testimonies. And this is one that, that stuck out that just was a recent um, article that they posted on there about a, a lady in her mid-20s. Her name is Venita. She lives in India. I wanted to read uh, some excerpts from this uh, article for you. Uh, Vanita is in her mid-twenties. She runs a small shop in her home, and her husband works in a factory. Uh, they have a baby girl who is now uh, just about a year old. Vanita came to faith through a friend from a previous job. Anita said, initially, I did not believe but every day at lunchtime, she shared 
the good news of Jesus Christ, and I slowly started to grow to love the Lord. Finding faith in Jesus made a big difference in Vanita's life. She says, before coming to the Lord, I had lots of troubles and all kinds of difficulties. But when I came to the Lord, I had a peace of mind that nobody else could offer. Her husband and her sister, Aisha, also came to faith after seeing the change in Vanita's life. Vanita wanted to share the peace she had found in Christ with even more people. But not everyone was happy about this. She said, I tried to share the gospel to many, but they did not listen. They spoke badly to me, saying, you are worshiping a foreign god instead of our gods and goddesses. Our neighbors caused a lot of troubles for us. They, they created a mess in our front by our gate by throwing garbage. They looked for reasons to fight and to create a rift between us. Still, we did not take any notice and, and tried to ignore them. I never gave up. My job was to share the word of God. But one day, the attacks on Vanita and her family became more extreme. My sister was returning back from work when my neighbors started a fight with her. She tried to escape, but they started to beat her. I went to rescue her, but they hit me too. Not only did her neighbors physically attack Vanita and Aisha, they then went to the police and accused Vanita and Aisha of attacking them. Vanita said, when we went to the police station, the police did not help us because the attackers had already bribed them with money. And they are well acquainted with all the influential people. You can see some of the similarities between uh, Vanita's experience and those that Peter was writing to. Their injuries weren't serious, but Vanita and Aisha were shaken by this attack and worried about the false case that had been filed against them. So they called their pastor, and he came with his daughter and wife Pritha to pray with them. But when the Hindu extremists from Vanita's community heard that a pastor had come to Vanita's house, they decided to come and finish what they had started. Venetia, uh, Vanita said, eight or nine men from the neighborhood barged into our house. They were armed with rods in their hands. Almost 30 minutes they were hitting us and breaking things. They were running after me and beating me. They were stamping us with their legs. While they were beating me, I was holding my six-month-old daughter in my arms, but they snatched her and threw her down. I felt that today I would not be spared, but God protected me, and my life was spared. If not for God, we would have been dead. Somehow, everyone survived the brutal attack. Most amazingly of all, Vanita's baby girl escaped with just a few scratches on her legs. After everything that Vanita has been through, including having her baby girl snatched from her arms, it would be understandable if she felt hatred towards her persecutors. But instead, she says, 
When Jesus left this world, he said, Father, these people do not know what they are doing. Forgive them. From this verse, I learned to forgive my enemies. And I pray that the attackers have a change of heart. When asked if she has ever thought of leaving her faith so that the persecution will end, she says, I have never thought we will leave God because God has safeguarded us and helped us. I will never leave the Lord. Hardships come when we follow God, but God helps us and brings us out from difficulties. If we leave God, our situation will only get worse. So remain in Christ who sustains us, and he will bless you. We have only peace in Christ. We have, sorry, we have peace only in Christ. So do not leave him. Peace in Christ is found nowhere else. I am thankful to God for his blessings, for blessing us immensely, even in our difficult situation, our Father has helped us. We know that our persecutions are coming. We see that in our society more and more, uh, that, that the, the claims of the Bible that we hold dear to ourselves are becoming more and more ridiculed more and more identified as intolerant and are becoming uh, more and more reasons for people to speak out and malign us and to, uh, to, to reach out and, and, and attack. I don't know when or how, but as we read Scripture, we know that that, that will happen more and more for the people of Christ. But our living hope is in Jesus. And we can be sure that he will guard us. Not that he will necessarily remove us from the temptation. but Rather, he will lead and guide us so that through the trials that we face, our faith will become purified, will be strengthened, will be refined there so that our lives will reveal Him more clearly in this world. And as that persecution ramps up towards us, you can know that, that, that Christ's faithfulness in your life will be the light that He will use to shine into the darkness of someone else's. So what can we do? As Hebrews 12 says, we must fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. He's the one that has brought you to faith. He is the one who will carry you through to completion. Peter knew this firsthand that the key 
is not to look around at the circumstances that are coming hard at you, but instead to fix your eyes on Christ. You remember when he stepped out of the boat, it was when he lost that focus and, and instead was seeing the wind and the waves that he began to sink. It's easy to get distracted by all of the turmoil that's going on in our world. This morning, I foolishly turned on Facebook and saw some of the things that go on there and, and some of the attacks, and, and it hit me, and I was getting angry and wanting to speak out. That's exactly where Satan wants us. We get caught up in the, the, the chaos of, of things that are going on around us rather than looking to Christ, seeing what He is calling us to do, listening to His voice speak into our lives. Let's fix our eyes on Christ and allow Him to be the perfecter of our faith. Secondly, put aside anxiety and fear. And instead, replace it with prayer and thanksgiving. A passage in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. It says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, through prayer, prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, I knew that was in there someplace, Present your request to Christ. And the peace of Christ, the peace of God, which goes beyond anything humanity can explain or understand, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Put aside that fear and anxiety and instead pray. And give thanks for God's faithfulness in your life. Third, look for ways to support your brothers and sisters in the Lord. And as Paul writes in Galatians chapter 6, bear one another's burdens. That was one of the things that, that, that you, we saw in, in the early church. For some reason, the communities would would attack some believers, but not all of them. And there was opportunity for, for those to still bond together in love and encouragement. For those that, that weren't the brunt of the attack to be able to, to shore up their brothers and sisters and encourage them and, and, and provide for them in their, in their needs. We can bear one another's burdens because as the body of Christ, we have this wonderful role of encouraging and supporting one another. That we live out that role of Christ to each other. So we play a part in that. And so we need this community. We need to be connected. If our connection with the body of Christ is only here this morning on Sundays, we are missing out on all that we can bring to that body and all that we can receive from that body. 
It's, it's been so encouraging to be a part of this community and see so many ways that, that individuals look out for one another. As Paul was talking about uh, the, the generosity that we've seen in this last little while for our benevolent offerings. That is so encouraging for the ways that we have been able to, to give out of what God has provided to us in order to support the needs of others. There have been those that, uh, that, that needed help, needed physical help, and so we've seen people step up and, and come and, and help with building roofs and doing construction work or uh, picking up groceries for somebody. Or, or We see it happening so often where there is encouragement, uh, where, where people are calling one another and praying for one another. When you don't see somebody for a while, that you get in touch with them and, and, and check and see how they are and encouraging them that way. As the body of Christ, we are going to need each other more and more. So we need to be connected with one another. But in this, we can rejoice because we have a living hope. And as Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, these present sufferings do not even come close to comparing with the glory that we will see in the revelation of Jesus Christ. And as we look to Him, fix our eyes on Him, as we come and, and, and bring our requests to Him in prayer, as we give thanks and, and praise and worship Him, as we encourage one another and support one another, we will see Christ resurrected in our lives. We will experience His love. And when we get into His presence for eternity, these Brief sufferings, these minute trials that we face will fade from memory because of the beauty and the glory of our God. Let's pray. Lord, I know right now already in this room there are those that are facing trials. <clears throat> there are those that are, are facing financial struggles. Those that are dealing with relationship conflicts. Those that, uh, that have people in their lives that, uh, that, that are uh, pushing them away because of their faith in you. Some are even being maligned and slandered because of the stance that they have taken on particular issues that reflect your truth. Lord, I pray that you would help us to fix our eyes on Christ, to come to you in prayer, to give thanks and worship and praise for what you do, and that, that we as brothers and sisters can support and encourage and bear one another's burdens together. Not just, Lord, that we would have relief from the suffering. Not just that we would experience that 
that unsurpassing peace that you give us. But most of all, Lord, that our lives would reflect you and that we would play a part in your mission to reach out to the lost and the dying in our world. That we would become agents of that living hope to our community, to our friends, to our family. And so we look to you and ask for your help because it's only through your strengthening, through your leading and guiding that we have any chance of being able to live out these truths, to experience these promises. So Lord, we ask that you would help us that you would strengthen us, that you would, that you would carry us through the trials and testings for your glory and for your kingdom. Amen.